All right, guys, I hope y'all got enough to eat. Yeah, yay, nay, is everybody in a coma now? Hey, don't, there's still a lot of food left. If you're hungry, grab something, make sure that you get something. I don't want you to leave hungry at all. I want to take just a minute here, guys. Every time we get together as a men's group, I, again, I, I love to come out, I love to eat, I love the fellowship. But uh, even more than that, you know, I love the Word of God, and I love getting the Word of God to you and what it is that God wants to say to us as men. We have to realize that God does speak to our, us as men in ways that are um, very straightforward. I, I meet with a lot of people, and I, one of the things that, um, that guys will say is, hey, man, I don't, you know what? Don't sugarcoat it. So then I don't sugarcoat it, and they get offended and don't come back. Sometimes big, tough guys can be kind of sissies when it comes to being, you know, not de- being able to deal with your feelings. And if you hurt my feelings, then, you know, I'm going to have a problem. Listen, you know what? God wants us as men to rise up. God wants us as men to do the thing that God has called us to do. And you know what? Like it, don't like it. You are in a position as men where God has called you to lead. He has called you to lead. Wherever you are, I'm not talking about just if you're married and you guys that aren't married or you guys are teenagers, you guys are off the hook. No, you're men. Even for, the, for you teenagers, you know what? Teenagers is just an age. Adolescence is something that we created. As you guys go into this place now where you're rising up, we have to realize what it is to be a man and what it is that a man acts like and what does a man do and what is it, even though it may be different from what the culture wants to tell us, we still have to be biblical when it comes to being a man. And one of the things that I want to share with you in John chapter 13, there's a story about Jesus. In verse 1 it says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had, uh, had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Jesus loved the disciples. He loved the men that God placed in his life. Those that he put, that God brought to him to mentor and to be a part of his life and to do what you know, he was supposed to do as God in leading these men. And he loved them. Again, it's not weird that as men, we should be able to love each other. That, that got a really good, <laughs> that got a weak amen. <laughs> it, but, you know, again, so many of these things become uncultural because, you know, unnatural in the culture because they're unbiblical things that God has told us to do. And so the enemy wants to help us to believe things that aren't biblical. And it's biblical. Jesus loved those. Jesus, the greatest leader that ever lived. Here we are 2,000 years later. We're still talking about him. We're still learning from him. He's still teaching us. He's still leading us. He's the greatest leader that's ever been. And he loved his men to the end. And so they're at supper. And it says, during supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that He had come from God and was going back to God. He rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments. Listen, this is one of the greatest leadership teachings you'll ever have. It's right out of here, out of John chapter 13. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. And then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Jesus was willing to serve those he loved because he knew that that's the kind of leadership that we needed as men. 
You know what Jesus did? You know, the disciples, man, they all messed up. Nobody got a foot washer. Nobody brought a foot washer to the party. And here they are, they're sitting there, and they should have already had their feet washed, and nobody stepped up. None of the disciples, none of the men that he loved, none of those that were being discipled, nobody stepped up. But Jesus did. And one of the greatest lessons of leadership that we'll ever have is this place of servanthood where Jesus, he chose, he didn't have to. He could have looked at any one of them and said, hey, go wash those feet. But Jesus took the lowly position of a slave. And because of his love, he served those that were around him. Down in verse 12, it says, when he had washed their feet and put on, he put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for, I, uh, for so I am. If you then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, uh, if, if then your Lord and teacher has washed your feet, so you ought to wash the feet of one another. For I have given you an example that you also should do, just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. And then he said this, and this is, guys, this is what we need to hear. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Amen. Guys, this is a call to leadership, a call to godly leadership. And it begins with ourselves. If you can't lead yourself, you're not going to be able to lead those around you. And you need to stand up and step up and begin to find out what it is that I need to do to be a leader, not a follower, to be a servant, to be one who will step up and do what God's called me to do. Because we have a call to lead. And gentlemen, if we don't lead ourselves, nobody else is going to. And if we don't begin to lead in our, in our homes the way God has called us to, whether you're single or married or divorced or whatever your situation is, if you live somewhere, you have a home and God's called you to lead in that home. Because if you don't, it's not going to happen. And he's called you to step up and to lead in your church. To be a man that would rise up and to take your place and to take that role as a leader. And to do what God's called you to do. So that we can lead in our community. This is God's plan. But his leadership style is different than ours. Listen guys, are you willing to wash someone's feet? You know, again, I thought, you know what, it'd be, it'd be easy for me, and I thought about doing this, but it'd be really easy for me to pull somebody up on the stage and take your shoes off and, and get down before you and make an example and wash their feet. But what about going home and washing your wife's feet? What about leading your home that way? What about rather than demanding that somebody wash yours because I'm the man, we take the position of leadership that the greatest man that ever lived shows us and says that we are called to do that. And if we will, we will be blessed. See, it'd be easy for me to pull somebody up here and wash their feet, but what about going home and washing those rebellious children's feet? When they don't want to do what they're supposed to do, when they haven't done what's right, 
when they haven't done what, they, what we think they should do. You know what? That's who Jesus had in these disciples. None of them wanted to do the right thing. But Jesus did and said, this is how you lead. And guys, this is what God's calling us to, is a place of leadership. And that's what I'm, I'm asking you. I, I, this is a charge. This isn't a lesson. This is something that as men of God, if you want to be, I, I'm, listen, this is what the Bible tells us to do. In Matthew chapter 23, in verse 11, it says, The greatest among you shall be your servant. We get that backwards. Are, you know, are we really willing to serve or are we trying to manipulate things to be served? God's called us as men to do that. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Look at greatness is in godly leadership. And that means servanthood. Are you willing to serve? Are you willing to lead in your home? We, we got to step up. And we got to begin to step out. And we need to do what God's called us to do because that's where he calls us to, to find the blessings of God is in being the man that God's called us to be. That means to serve. Serve the way Jesus did. And guys, when we know what we're supposed to do, it becomes sin for us not to do that. When God has given us a command, when he's told us to do something, and we refuse to do that, it becomes sin. So guys, go home and wash your wife's feet. Go home. And serve those that God has called you to serve. Go home and lead the way God has ordained you to lead. To lead in the church. Okay, I know it would be one thing for me to call somebody up here and say, hey, you know what, I'm going to wash your feet. But how about for me to call some of you up and say, now I want you to wash their feet. Are we willing to serve each other the way Jesus was? Because this is the role that a man has, is to do that. So lead. As Paul was saying, lead. Get your Bible out. Start to read your Bible. And then start to do what your Bible tells you to do. Guys, go home and repent. Repent. Sounds like a dirty word. Oh boy, he's yelling at us about repenting now. No, repent is the greatest gift. Other than Jesus Christ, repentance is the greatest gift God's given the world. It's a grace that God gives us that we can come before him and say, God, forgive me. Thank you, Lord, for the grace you supply and the forgiveness you provide. God, help me. It's not about perfection, guys. It's all about direction. And repent. Go to God and repent. Turn to your wife and repent. Go to your children and repent. Go to your boss and repent. That means change your mind. Because this is the way that God wants to see the world one. In, in Proverbs, the last scripture that I'll share with you is this. He who is often reproved yet stiffens his neck will suddenly be broken beyond healing. Guys, are the words that I'm bringing to you are they causing you to stiffen in your neck? 
I don't like that. Because, again, yet he, he who is often reproved yet stiffens his neck will suddenly be broken beyond healing. But when the righteous increase, the people rejoice. But when the wicked rule, the people groan. So how, how will you receive correction? Will you receive it with an open heart? Or a prideful, arrogant spirit? So who does he think he is? I'm a nobody. I'm just in this place because God saw fit to do it. I don't know why. But I love you guys. And therefore, I'm not going to hold back, whether you like it or not. Jesus loved his disciples, the people around him. And he was willing to rebuke them. Let's rise up. Let's see, as Paul said, revival. Amen? Amen. Again, I want to encourage you. Something that God's laid on my heart, and, and now Paul shared, we've talked about this a lot. Get a Bible, a paper Bible. I, I, got, I went out and bought a, a note-taker's Bible a couple months back. After we were, Jonathan was leading the Bible study and we were going through all the stuff that was electronic, but uh, we both were in talking about that. Like, man, we, you know, it's just different reading your Bible. But this is, again, I mean, real quick, and I don't want to make you feel bad about this. I've been reading my electronic Bible and I'll still preach from it and all that, so don't, get, don't take me wrong. But every morning I get up and first thing I turn to is this book before I turn to my phone. First thing I turn to is this before I turn on my iPad before I turn on the TV. I open this up and I go into it and I bought a note taker's Bible. And every morning I highlight the verses that God is just standing out and just really just showing me. I highlight those verses and I write notes in the margin. I write notes about the things I got all through Ezekiel and Jeremiah. I've got all these notes and one day guys, you know what, I'm not gonna be here anymore. But what I want to do is leave a treasure to my son, my children, to Trevor. And I want him to be able to go through here. And I want him to be able to see my heart. I want to continue to serve him, to serve my children, to serve the generations that are come after I'm long gone. And I want to encourage you to have the same vision. Is the way that we're living today going to make a difference in the lives of our grandchildren and great-grandchildren and great-great-grandchildren? I want to leave a legacy, and I know you do too. But what kind of treasure will you leave? So I just wanted to give you that uh, a, a quick, every, every time we get together, I like to, from my heart, share something with you that I feel man, you need to have this. And guys, we have to lead and do it the way God's called us to. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, again, I, I hope you all enjoyed today. We had a great time at the theater. It was an amazing day, but uh, we're not done yet. And I want you guys to uh, welcome Pastor Ward Cusick. He is going to uh, bless you guys with a... Uh, 
a word, some testimony, and he's going to encourage your hearts. I know you're going to love this. Love you, Mark. Like a lot of you, I think I exp- we, if you were here this, there this morning, you would have known that uh, or heard that Mark and I go way back. <clears throat> Can I just sit down? All right. We go way back, like 30 years. Uh, Ryan and um, John and Trevor were all either in my youth group or getting ready to come into my youth group. And, and uh, so it's just a really cool to see what God's doing here. And uh, I, was, I told Pastor Mark, I said, man, you got a pretty good-sized group that love the Lord and are, are calling this place home. <clears throat> so what I'm going to do for you guys is pray that, and Pastor Mark knows this, I'm going to pray you guys get a building, you get, you get a place. You need a place where you can all get together in one place, right? So we'll just, we'll just uh, we're all men here. We can figure it out, but we'll never figure it out without God. So just put him first. So I, I don't want to take a long time um, today, but I just want to, if I was to title what I'm going to talk about, it would be uh, resilient determination or ironclad trust, how to, to trust God. And um, I, I could probably say all of us have been through hard times. Anybody here that's never had a hard time? We've all had hard times and uh, felt abandoned at times. We felt betrayed. We felt hopeless, and uh, I have issues. Look at your neighbor and say, I have issues. <laughs> I have issues, and uh, you know, I've, I've had a lot of things happen in my life. I've lost a lot of family members to death. Um, I had open heart surgery when I was 40. I had a five bypass. Um, I've uh, been, I've had bankruptcy. I've, I've been fired from a job as a pastor, of all things. Um, I've uh, not known what to do. I've had anxiety where I couldn't, I'd try to sleep at night, and I just would jump out of bed because I didn't know what, how I was going to come up with this or that, what was going to happen, you know, have panic attacks. And um, I, get, I would get really good at feeling sorry for myself. Uh, no one cares, you know, this, uh, this is the end. Um, you know, in, in ministry, you don't have a plan B. You, have a, you just go where God tells you to go. So there was a point in my life where I didn't know where my next step was, and, and God, he showed me. So, you know, and I thought I was trusting God, but I wasn't really. I was trying to figure it out. You know what I'm talking about, guys. We, we got to figure it out. We can't wait on God. We gotta get this. We gotta get this thing done. And uh, I learned real quick that to trust God. And you know, I made decisions, spent money I shouldn't spend. Uh, but there was a point <clears throat> where I was in ministry, but uh, and I wasn't in in any kind of full blown sin or anything. It was just that things were just hard. They were hard. So I, I was a youth pastor at the time, and I took, we were in the Pennsylvania, I was a youth pastor in the Philadelphia area. I don't recommend that, um, <laughs> but I was. And we, I took a bunch of our teenagers to uh, Ocean City, Maryland, and we were going to go down to the boardwalk, take a milk crate, you know, like a, those crates, those plastic crates, the square ones, 
that, that they put milk in. Take one of those, just walk down the boardwalk, stop, and one of the kids would get up on that crate and just start telling their testimony. People would gather around and then we'd pray for them. And it was a really cool thing just to go out street ministry, go out in the streets. And so we were doing this. God was doing amazing things. But the guy that was hosting us, um, his name was Dick Sands, and he stopped me. You know, um, I believe that he was sent by God to straighten me out. <clears throat> and even in the middle of not listening to God, God loved me enough to send me a hand-delivered message from this man. And, and he said something, and I mean, I mean, I hit the ground crying. And you're going to go, why, after I say it? But he said, you're a bruised banana. And I hit the ground, and I'm like, I knew what that meant. I knew what that meant. I've been hurt. I've been uh, mistreated. I've been bruised. And I knew instantly what God was, was telling me. You know what happens to a bruised banana? It rots wherever it's bruised at. And that's what was happening. I was bruised and I was rotting inside. And then he said to me, study. This is all he said. He said, go to your Bible and look up Ephraim and Manasseh. And I, I had never heard that. I'm, I've read the Bible through a couple of times, but I, I didn't remember. You guys, anybody in here know uh, who Ephraim and Manasseh were? In, uh, in your Bible, um, and I'll just read it real quick. In uh, Genesis chapter 41, verse 51, this is what Joseph named his sons. Manasseh, he named his firstborn son Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all of my trouble, all of my father's household, and all of my father's household. And he named his second son Ephraim, for he said, God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. So uh, when he, I looked that up and I found it, and um, it, it began to, I began to get what God was trying to tell me. I'd been through a lot of hurt, and I'd been through a lot of things, and God had made me forget. He has made me forget now all of my troubles, all of my father's household. Uh, my father was a pastor, so growing up as a preacher's kid, uh, if you've never, anybody here ever, anybody here a PK? PK? Okay. So, you know, as PKs, we're in a, we live in a glass house, and uh, sometimes we get hurt. The kids get hurt. It's not intentional, but we do. And so I, I, got, I got just kind of messed up, and, but I still stayed in ministry, but I was still letting the past get to me and, and bother me. So um, I did a study of Joseph. So think of all the things Joseph went through. The, uh, he was uh, betrayed by his brothers. He was a slave. He was imprisoned. He was abandoned. So when you read that, he was telling God, thank you. 
I'm, and I'm not going to forget where you brought me from. And I'm going to trust you. He said, God made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household, all of his brothers. And then he named his second son Ephraim, for he said, God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. So if anybody had a land of affliction, it was Joseph, right? In prison for all those years and, and all that pain and all that suffering and all the stuff he had to go through. But God vindicated him, and he became the number two guy in all of Egypt, and uh, he was prosperous. So I began to think about that in my life and how, what, what am I willing to do to make uh, my life the way God wants it? So I ran across another scripture, and I just want to read that before we end tonight and just kind of just, just look at this in Acts chapter, I'm sorry, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, <clears throat> verse 23. This is Paul. Um, this is a description of Paul's life uh, after he was knocked off the horse and, and the light, you know, the God, Jesus spoke to him. He was blinded for three days. And then filled with the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. And this is after all of that amazing things that happened in his life. He said, are, are there servants of Christ? I'm speaking as if insane. I'm more so in far more laborers, in far more imprisonments, beaten, without, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned three times. I was shipwrecked a night and a day. I spent a drift. I have spent a drift at sea. I've been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, dangers among false brothers. I've been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights and hunger and thirst often without food and cold and exposure. Apart from such eternal things, there is a daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. Has anybody had it as bad as Paul in this room? <laughs> I can't even imagine getting beaten once 39 times, uh, getting beaten three times 39 times, and all the things that he went through. So with that said, I just want to like, I think this is the last scripture that I want to look at. This is Acts. And this is what Paul said. Acts 20, 24. He's talking to the church and he says, and see, now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that are going to happen to me. In other words, I don't know what's going to happen. I could, be, I could die, whatever. Except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying the chains and tribulations await me. So all the things I read to you just now, the things he knows that are coming, he says, but, but, none of these things move me nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy 
and a ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. None of these things moved him. Nothing stopped him. And I just have a question. Are, are there things I had to look at my life, and we all need to look at our life. Pastor Mark gave us an incredible challenge. Uh, I'm going to go home and uh, put a pin on my nose and, and wash my wife's feet. But uh, no, I'm kidding. I, I, I will do that, Mark, Pastor Mark. I, I'm taking that challenge. I'm going to wash her feet because that's amazing. But are there things that move you? Are there things that are messing with you? Like when I was talking about the things that were messing with me, uh, just all the things that had happened in my life, all the issues, are there things, I want you just to answer this question yourself. Are there things that are moving me? Is there something in my life that is actually affecting my walk with Christ, my integrity? Is there anything that's moving me? And you have no excuse because... Paul set the example. Jesus set the example. He, he took it all the way. And we, we don't know what's happening in this world. It's, it stinks right now. It's bad. And uh, we don't know what's happening. But are we willing to take it all the way, no matter what? Um, protect our family, love Jesus, love, love others. So... You know, I asked myself, what did Paul have that I didn't have? What did Paul have that I didn't have? What did he have that I didn't have? He had an unfailing call, a purpose, a vision. Nothing was going to stop him. He said he was bound in the spirit to go to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that would happen to him, except the Holy Spirit would testify in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. You might read that as, I am bound by God. He has called me to be the head of my household, and nothing's going to stop me from raising my, loving my children, from doing what Pastor Mark charged us to do tonight, to wash our wife's feet. Nothing's going to stop me. Nothing moves me. And... Uh, Sometimes um, we need, I, I have had a, a kind of a Damascus Road experience in my life where, with that man, where God just stopped me on my feet. I fell down and God spoke to me. And if that's what you need, I want you just to receive it and let God, let God speak to you. It might be to one of us, to one of you talking, just some of us don't even know God's using us. Sometimes we just say things, but God's speaking through us if we're close to him. <clears throat> and I just want, I'm praying that you guys would be arrested by God. Just stopped in your tracks. Just arrested by him. That he would just come, stop you, speak to you, show you things. And so that you can be like Paul and say, nothing can move me. Nothing's going to change my mind. That's called Conviction. Uh, I'm not going to change your mind tonight. If you love Jesus, I can't change your mind, right? I hope. If you love Jesus, no one's going to make me not love Jesus. And no one's going to make me not love 
my family. Even though they're not perfect all the time, I'm not perfect. So I, I'm, I'm just glad that Pastor Mark asked me to come to speak to you guys because it gives me uh, a chance also to reflect when I have to study, if you've ever had to, to speak publicly or uh, especially in church, you have to think about yourself and what, how, how am I, am I living this out, right? Am I living this out? So I know Pastor Mark loves you guys and I love you guys. I, I want to pray for you that nothing would move you. And if something is that you would look at your heart and life and say, that thing has got to go. If it's something that's that shouldn't be there in your heart, so Lord, I thank you for these men. Lord, I thank you for their determination. God, these guys, uh, all of us in this room, Lord, we have gone through some stuff, and we've seen some things, Lord. But God, uh, we know, like Paul, Father, that we need to have a solid, resilient trust in you that nothing will move us, Lord. And God, when you tell us to do something, you will follow through and help us get it done. So Lord, I, I speak blessings on this church, Father. I speak blessings on these men. God, I pray that forgiveness would flow out of their hearts and minds. God, I pray that every day, as they pick up your word, that their mind and hearts would be renewed. Lord, that they would not be the same t today as they were yesterday. And tomorrow they would change even more, God, and I speak that for myself. God, that you would just give us uh, a, just a, a solid, uh, unmovable rock in our lives, Lord, uh, that, that, that we would look to Jesus, Lord, and know that there's nothing coming our way that you can't take care of, God. There's nothing we're going through, Lord, that you can't change. And Father, even if it doesn't change, even if I would die, the Bible says, <clears throat> I would still serve you, God. I'd still serve you, Lord. And I, I thank you, Lord, that these men, you're working on our hearts and lives from, from all ages, Lord. And I just pray a special blessing on them in their heart, mind, soul, body, spirit over their family. I pray for health. I pray for provision. Lord, like I spoke today, that they would have a vision for their family, God. Lord, where are you going to take their family? Lord, what is the next step for them and in, in their family, Lord? And I pray, Lord, for those rebellious children. Lord, I, I come against disease, Lord. God, I pray uh, against the uh, <clears throat> depression, Lord, that, that comes against us. I pray the devil take his hands off of every man in this room. You cannot have not one person, not one man, or can you have our children, our wife, our family? And Lord, I thank you, God, that you are the one that defeat and has defeated the enemy. We walk from victory, Lord, not to victory. You already won it on the cross, and we give you the glory and thanks for that. Everybody said amen. 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 Well, love you guys, and uh, I don't know what's next. Are you next? <laughs> Trevor's next. Thank you, Pastor Ward. Really appreciate that. Thank you all very much for coming out. Uh, listen, we, we just appreciate so much that you guys come and are just 
come willing to hear and to listen and to grow. And so God bless you guys for that. Um, we're going to have some more stuff coming up on the calendar here soon, so make sure you pay attention to that. Uh, lots of opportunity for us as guys to get it together, but don't wait for that. Don't wait for the church to initiate that. Uh, you know, feel free, man, reach out uh, and uh, get together with some guys, uh, and uh, um, let's continue to, to build that momentum and that friendship. Anyways, uh, love you guys. Thank you so much for coming. God bless you. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll see you guys later. Feel free to hang out, fellowship.